Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey, it's the Playmakers, Adrian Hernandez alongside Lindsey Brown. And the trade deadline chaos is complete and we need to check in on the line is Odyssey NBA insider Ryan McDonough. Insider calls are brought to you by driveway.com. Looking for a car? Go to driveway.com where you can get pre-qualified, buy a car, and get it delivered. Ryan, so excited to have you back on the show. Maybe it's just because I usually inhibit hockey arenas versus basketball ones, but, but was yesterday's trade deadline super eventful? <laughs> More than it usual. It was wild. Yeah, it was a wild couple days. I was fortunate enough to be covering it live for NBA TV from Atlanta, so... Uh, late on Wednesday night, we were watching the Lakers, and I, I thought they were the team that probably needed to make a move the most. Obviously, they were not able to pull off a deal before the deadline, but uh, certainly things got ratcheted up yesterday when the deal about an hour and a half before the deadline went down with the Philadelphia 76ers and the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, yeah, so it was certainly eventful. There were deals big and small, and you know it really was kind of a week-long thing, guys, starting on Monday. Uh, not everybody waited to the last minute. A few deals got done. Uh, you know, a few days before, like with C.J. McCollum and others. So uh, certainly a busy week, and I think we'll, you know, we'll see if it impacts the landscape of the uh, you know, NBA championship picture. But uh, certainly Philadelphia and Brooklyn feel good about the moves they made coming out of it. And uh, personally, I'd love to see those two teams meet in the playoffs. A little drip, drip, drop scenario in terms of news nuggets in the basketball world. But you're a true professional, Ryan, and that's why you have led us straight to the biggest trade and where we're going to start our big part of our conversation, which is that Brooklyn Nets-Philadelphia 76ers trade. I don't really think Brooklyn have been considered contenders this season. Once Kyrie made his decision, that kind of took them out of serious running in my book. But what about yours? And what does this offense look like now uh, once Durant returns? Well, the offense looks really good, Lindsay. And in fact, I, I love it from an offensive perspective uh, for, for the team and especially for Ben Simmons individually. Think of all the shooting and spacing the Brooklyn Nets will have around Ben Simmons. That's been a weakness of Simmons. I think that was one of the biggest issues, guys, in Philadelphia offensively when Ben Simmons played alongside Joel Embiid. They play in the same space. They play in the paint around the basket. Uh, neither one of them, uh, especially Simmons, is not a good floor spacer shooter. So um, to open up that space in the lane, uh, think of the shooters Brooklyn has around the perimeter uh, when they're healthy. They have, in my account, five elite shooters, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, Joe Harris, Patty Mills, and now Seth Curry, who they also got in the trade yesterday alongside Simmons. That's a lot of offensive firepower. We'll see if they defend well enough, guys, but I have no doubt that on the offensive end, they'll have as much, if not more, firepower than any team in the league. Uh, Ryan, you mentioned you guys being on NBA TV as the deadline was happening. Uh, I was tuned in. You guys did great. Uh, Something that you said 
kind of surprised me with the fact that with James Harden now in Philly, he's, the expectation is that he's going to sign possibly one of the biggest contracts in NBA history. If that does happen, uh, and I believe you mentioned five years, $270 million, uh, that would go into effect at year 34 for James Harden. And this is a guy that's played over 32 thousand minutes in the NBA and obviously has forced himself out of two organizations in two years. Is that not a little crazy to go all in? And I understand the relationship with Daryl Morey, but is that not nuts? It is crazy. I mean, the numbers are astronomical. If it is signed this offseason, you're right. It's a five-year, $270 million deal. Uh, now, that's if he gets the, the max max. And what I mean by max max is, you know, max dollars and max years. So that would be a five-year max salary with 8% raises, which is the most he can get. But, yeah, to, to your point, uh, in the 2026-27 season, when James Harden is in his late 30s, he would be making north of $61 million that year and for one year. I mean, that, that's um, where the salary cap is going. So um, I think in the short term, the calculation for Philadelphia is this is a short-term play. They have mm-hmm. Joel Embiid, an MVP candidate, if not the front-runner for the MVP, who's certainly keeping their team uh, – kept their team, excuse me, afloat and then toward the top of the Eastern Conference with Simmons playing zero games in a 76ers uniform now you add in Harden. Um, it would be very interesting to see how those pieces fit together, guys, because I think Harden will have to play different than he's played throughout his career. He'll need to play more off the ball. He'll need to get rid of the ball quicker. And I hope James realizes that the offense can and probably should run through Joel Embiid. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's a fascinating case study. Uh, I think in the short term, you know, if, if Harden and Embiid click, there's a ton of upside, but certainly there's a ton of downside risk uh, down the line when you're talking about paying a guy north of 55 or $60 million as he approaches his late 30s. Philadelphia 76ers taking a page out of the Golden Knights book by going all in now and asking questions and dealing with the consequences later. Uh, yesterday, Kristaps Porzingis was traded away from the Dallas Mavericks, and that wasn't really a deal that a lot of people had uh, hypothesized, but I think Luka dropping 51 last night looks more like uh, inspiration than coincidence to me. Where do you fall on that? Well, I think the pairing just didn't work great, Lindsay. A lot of that was due to the injuries to Chris Stapps Porzingis when the Mavericks traded for him. They hoped he would be a second star, you know, good enough to be one of the top two players on a championship team along with Luka. And uh, Porzingis was out of the lineup a lot. I mean, if you look at his recent history over the past five or so years, he's missed about 25 or 30 games every single year. So the, the durability was a real question. Uh, Porzingis is still relatively young. He's 26 years old. He should be in his prime. But uh, when you're paying a guy the max and, and you're not sure if he's going to hold up physically, um, and you know when he is healthy, the fit is okay. I mean, uh, certainly Porzingis benefited from Luca's shot creation, and um, you know it, it's a it's pretty dynamic was a pretty dynamic offensive combination with the floor spacing and shooting from Porzingis when uh, Porzingis was healthy and they played together. But um, when you're paying the guy the max, you, you expect max level production. Dallas felt like they were not getting that for Porzingis. So they bring in another ball handler in Spencer Dinwiddie, which I, I think was a need because Luka and Jalen Brunson have to do so much for that Ravs team. And I think another part of their calculation was Davis Bertans, who shot the ball very well a couple years in Was- ago in Washington, but has not shot it as well since he got the big contract from the Wizards, that he will replace some of that floor spacing and shooting uh, that they got from Porzingis. Certainly Bertans is not the rim protector that Porzingis is, but if he can replace some of the shooting and then they get more playmaking from Dinwiddie, uh, I think that was the Mavs' thought process. And uh, more than anything, it gave him some flexibility, especially if they think Porzingis is going to break down and not be healthy toward the end of that contract. 
When you look at a big picture view of the NBA, and it's something we've talked about um, these past couple weeks, you look at the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Miami Heat, the Memphis Grizzlies, where, you know, with Miami, you have Jimmy Butler, even though he's been injured. With Memphis, you have John Morant, John Morant but it's, it's a system. It's a team with depth as opposed to all these teams chasing the big three. Uh, from a front office perspective around the league, is it shifting where we don't necessarily need a big three, but we need one or two stars and just make the rest of the roster being filled with talent? That's a very good point and a good question, because if you look at the history of in-season trade acquisitions, trade deadline acquisitions, and how they've impacted the current season, usually they don't move the needle as far as the championship picture. Now, obviously, we'll see what happens with the Brooklyn Nets and Philadelphia 76ers this year, but usually the teams who win the championship were already some of the best teams in the league at the trade deadline. And looking at Phoenix, they made a few minor moves to upgrade their depth, uh, bringing in Torrey Craig and Aaron Holiday, but those guys are not top seven or eight players for them. They're they're, uh, kind of break glass in case of emergency guys. Golden State didn't make any moves yesterday. And then Miami, who you mentioned, the top team in the Eastern Conference, despite injuries up and down the roster, including to their best players like Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo, they did not make a significant move. So, yeah, usually that's, that's the way it goes. The, the top teams hold pat, uh, maybe make a minor move to bolster their depth like Phoenix did, uh, but really then, then look at the buyout market to see if they can add a player in Miami's case, maybe like Goran Dragic around the periphery. Um, but, but that's generally who wins the championship is the teams that were already good and maybe made slight tweaks or additions to the deadlines, not the teams that had massive in-season overhauls. Because think of it, guys, if you do that, you don't have the experience through training camp in the preseason and the first 50-plus games of the regular season. So it's very hard to adjust on the fly and put it together at a high level with only a few months left in the regular season. Just to build off of Adrian's question as we're talking about super teams and just roster construction, who are the biggest innocent bystanders or victims of the shortened shelf life that comes with the league moving towards uh, the big three? And now we're seeing that change a little bit. But reciprocally, who's been given too much time and possibly taken away from a better alternative option? Are you asking in terms of teams, Lindsay? Like which team has maybe hurt themselves by going that route? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, well, so I, I think in Brooklyn, I mean, Brooklyn, you look at Brooklyn and what they've given up uh, and where they are now, um, we'll see how it works out. Obviously, they made the trade, you know, just about 24 hours ago with Philadelphia, and Ben Simmons has not played a game yet, nor has uh, Seth Curry or Andre Drummond. But, um, you know, if you look at Brooklyn a few years ago, what, what Sean Marks in the front office and Kenny Atkinson on the sideline, what they did was really built something from, from not much. I mean, the previous administration uh, made the really difficult trade, uh, the all-in trade with the Boston Celtics to bring in Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce, and uh, infamously it did not work out. And uh, as a result of that, Boston got uh, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown with the picks they got from Brooklyn. But despite all that, Marks and Atkinson built a, a competitive team. Uh, they, they had some real player development successes like Spencer Dinwiddie, who we just discussed, uh, Jared Allen and Karis Levert. Ironically, guys, one of the things that I don't think enough people are talking about that would have seemed impossible 13 months ago is I think the biggest winner of the deal between the Houston Rockets and Brooklyn Nets when James Harden went from Houston to Brooklyn 13 months ago was the Cleveland Cavaliers. Say it! Let's go! Let's go, Ryan! I don't think many people would have called that, but but that's the way it's worked out so far. So uh, we'll see how it goes in Brooklyn. Part of the deal yesterday was getting a few picks from Philadelphia back to try to recoup some of what they gave up to get James Harden, but certainly uh, in in the short term, uh, Brooklyn looked like they were going to be on the upswing, first with the young talent and then with the superstars, and uh, you know, they've lost 10 games in a row, and as we sit here today, they would be a play-in team who's slightly above 500. 
Ryan, I'm sorry to interrupt you. You were saying that and this is our first time that talking. That was an interruption. That was an right yes, there. Yes, I'm, I'm from Cleveland, so so thank you for saying that. Um, and this next question, look, I, I don't want to be be ignorant, and, and I realize the Lakers' position where they don't have that many assets to make any moves. But when you talk about LeBron in 2018, you talk about Colby Altman. He traded practically the entire roster to make sure LeBron can make it to the finals. Uh, with Rob Palenka not made, doing anything this trade deadline, is it fair to say that he's failed LeBron and Anthony Davis by not doing anything? Well, I, I don't think that's entirely fair because it certainly seems from afar that LeBron has been very involved in the decision-making process along with Rich Paul, his agent from Clutch, who also represents Anthony Davis and Taylor Horton Tucker and you know, a lot of guys on that Lakers roster. So uh, I, I think that would be more fair if, uh, Adrian, if you know, LeBron James was just had no input and Rob Palenka did all this on his own. Uh, that does not seem to be the case. In fact, if you go back and read some of the articles from the best reporters in the NBA last offseason, it seemed like Palenka and the Lakers front office were leaning toward doing a deal um, with the Sacramento Kings uh, to try to bring in Buddy Heald. Uh, remember, they had some, some pieces, Kyle Kuzma, Contavious Caldwell-Pope and Montrez Harrell to play with at that point. Uh, it seemed like LeBron got involved late and, and shifted toward Westbrook, and, and that's been a disaster. So uh, it doesn't look good for anybody involved. Obviously, Palenka as the GM bears the brunt of it. That's what happens when you're in that chair. But uh, certainly it seems like LeBron and his group have had some, some input and influence. And uh, really, guys, the two things that limited the Lakers were um, w- nobody thinks Westbrook is worth $44 million this year and 47 next year, so there was no market there. And then uh, Taylor and Horton Tucker, the one young piece to have on the roster has underperformed so far. Um, so the value for Horton Tucker wasn't there. And again, another team uh, going all in who owes you know a bunch of picks and pick swaps. Uh, the Lakers owe those to the New Orleans Pelicans because of the Anthony Davis deal. That's how they got L- AD to LA in the first place. Um, they just didn't have any assets. And talking teams around the league, they weren't buying what the Lakers were selling. And now the Lakers are in a very difficult spot. Uh, they have an older team that hasn't meshed well, and the trade deadline's come and gone. And I don't see even a silver bullet coming in the buyout market, guys. Frankly, I'm not sure they'll be in the mix of the top players in the buyout market, given that they're a play-in team. And usually the guys who get bought out want to go to a championship contender. Yeah, that was one thing that was actually a silver lining when it comes to going through the pandemic and everything is that that buyout market are just guys on the street. It was peppered with people that were really good, like the Ron Nose and the Dwight Howards and stuff, but they're already on rosters this year. And not every roster has to be improved because they have so much darn talent. I want to put the Lakers in that. But the Wolves, though, Ryan, I don't know if you've noticed, but they've been more than respectable this season. They were quite around the deadline, which I kind of love because I'd rather see this roster ferment and hopefully bloom a better garden in the future. Where are you at with this squad? Oh, I've noticed, Lindsay. I've, I've noticed oh, your Timberwolves. Like they're, they're frisky. Uh, seven and three in their last ten games. They're good offensively. I don't have any doubt they have enough offensive firepower with Carl Anthony Towns, one of the most dynamic offensive big men in the league, and then Anthony Edwards, an emerging star. Uh, Edwards has struggled a little bit offensively lately with his efficiency, but uh, still, this, this is a good team, and they were a team who was active. They were a team who looked at Ben Simmons and tried to get in the Simmons mix. Uh, the challenge, guys, was Minnesota did not want to trade uh, and was not willing to trade Carl Anthony Towns or Anthony Edwards 
Edwards for Ben Simmons, and, and because of that, uh, they fell short of other teams' offers, like obviously Brooklyn's, where Simmons ultimately ended up. But um, you know, they've, they've continued to try to upgrade the team, and I think there's a real opportunity there because for me, the middle to bottom part of the Western Conference is weaker than it has been in years. Uh, so Minnesota currently sits in seventh. Uh, obviously, they'd love to get in the top six and avoid the play-in, but uh, either way, they're, they have a great opportunity in front of them. I think at a minimum, they will be in the play-in and try to you know, win a game or two to get themselves in the final eight, which would be a big step for a young Timberwolves team. And you talk about the play-in, and specifically in the Western Conference. Uh, I kind of want to lean in on your experience with this question about the Pelicans because, yes, uh, they've improved this season. Obviously, they made the trade for C.J. McCollum. The hope is Brandon Ingram, C.J. McCollum, hopefully Zion. In a one-game situation in the play-in, play that seems scary. But at the end of the day, although they're the 10th seed, they're 22-33. and 33. Well, What's the balancing act of being like, is it better to get a better draft pick and get some assets or just try to get this experience? Because at the end of the day, it's still 22 and 33. Yeah, it all depends on where you are organizationally in your, in your timeline and, frankly, how patient or impatient ownership is, is willing to be. And, and, and the business side, that all does come into play. Uh, so I, I think with New Orleans, it's, uh, I believe, the third year the, the front office has been there. Uh, obviously, they had the coaching change last offseason with Stan Van Cundy just being there the one year. That certainly didn't work out great. And then with, with Zion not playing any games this year and currently being away from the team uh, to rehab, there's, there's a lot of pressure in New Orleans. So, so I think, um, you know, C.J. McCollum was an aggressive move. Uh, C.J. had some fans around the league, but other teams were concerned about his contract. He's making north of $30 million a year. So, um, you know, for New Orleans, they want to be aggressive. I think they, they do want to get into the play-in. And obviously, if you're in the play-in, you have a chance to to make the playoffs. Another big piece of it, guys, was I think signaling to everybody, especially Zion Williamson in his camp, that uh, was Zion up for an extension this offseason that they are serious about winning. And so I think uh, part of the calculation was if they can you know, get into the play-in or hopefully into the playoffs, that shows Zion they're serious. Uh, then he signs the max extension. And then you know, with C.J. McCollum in the backcourt, Brandon Ingram on the wing, and Zion up front, they have a team that I think they think could be in the top five or six in the West next year when they're fully healthy. We'll see if that works out. But certainly New Orleans Orleans and the Sacramento Kings were aggressive, which means uh, that does put some pressure on the Lakers guys um, to continue to win, to stay in the play-in. I think they will, but it's not a given uh, with Sacramento bringing in Sabonis and the Pelicans bringing in McCollum. Basketball calculus, no one does it better. The man, the myth, the legend, the McDonough. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy NBA TV schedule to join us today, my friend. Hey, always great to be on with you guys. Enjoy your weekend. You as well. What a weekend in front of us we have. Insider calls are brought to you by driveway.com. Head to driveway.com today to shop more than 25,000 new and used cars in driveways nationwide inventory. And on the other side of the break, well, it's our last few minutes before the weekend. People, you know it's going to be good. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. 
Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.